seated as we hear our psalm for the evening, Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power and holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading this Christmas Eve is from Isaiah in the Old Testament. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the word of our Lord. Our epistle reading this evening from 1 John, in the fourth chapter. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love... Of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This is the word of our Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel from Matthew's gospel in the first chapter. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you will call his, name, or call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of our Lord. May be seated and Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way in which you have shown your love to us by giving your Son into your creation, that we would see what it looks like for you to act on our behalf and save us from our sins. We pray that you move by your Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us rest in the promise of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Christmas is always fun. Sometimes it's harder than others, I get that. But Christmas is always fun because you generally tend to receive gifts. Now, something interesting about gifts, you generally have to do something with them, right? I mean, if you receive a gift, you can have a couple of options. You can receive it with joy and do a bunch of stuff with it. You can receive it with confusion and re-gift it next week. You can figure out how to hide it in a shelf somewhere and just carry on a lie and tell people that you really, really liked it, even though it's just sitting in a closet down in the bottom somewhere. But I always remember Christmas with my little brother, who's 11 years younger than me. So you can imagine, as an 11-year-older brother, uh, I got to be the builder. So when he would receive a gift, not only did I get to play with my stuff, I got to play with his stuff. And that was great because I didn't trust him to quite build it right or make it right or put the stickers in the right places. And so I got to do all of that. And then he finally started to get a little older and I still took them from him to build them anyway. And he does all his own stuff now. It's fine. (laughs) But it was fun to get these gifts and do something with them. It's kind of what we do. Yet in our text, we also learn that Jesus is a gift given to us. So immediately in our mindset, we start to think, well, what do do we do with this gift? What do we do with this Jesus? First off, we need to understand who he is, right? So you hear from Isaiah, 700 years before Christ came, that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and they would call his name Emmanuel. And then he's kindly enough to translate it for us, right? That means God with us. Think about that for just a brief second. God with us. Now, though many of us think so, we're not God. So God's different than us. And so God with us is something quite outside of something we can really wrap our heads around. And go to any other faith or any other religion out there, and rarely is there an instance where God comes into the thing that he has created or keeps in order. So for God the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, the one who knit everything together, the one who holds everything together, the one that is above all and through all and in all, the one that is amazingly big and outside of everything we can wrap our heads around, says that this lady's going to bear a son and his name's going to be God with us. Now, God had been with his people before, No doubt about that. He showed up on Mount Sinai, right? And all of the Israelites that were around uh, were really scared 
So they would send Moses up Mount Sinai and say, you go talk to the lightning and thundering thing going on up there on the mountain. We don't want to go up there. That's scary. I know that's God, but that's a scary God with us. I don't want to go up there. You go up there, Moses. And then we see him leading by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night. Again, this thundering, cloudy, stormy presence leading his people. I mean, leading them for their good. But to have God with us is pretty scary. See, if you wrap your head around the fact that we are in a fallen creation and that the only thing that could be present before God is things that are holy, then to be sinful and broken means we have no place being in the presence of God at all. None. No reason within us to be in his presence at all. So to have God with us Well, in the ears of the hearers of Isaiah, when they would hear that, that meant judgment. That meant that God was going to come and judge the people. That meant God was going to come into this place where people were unholy, people of unclean lips, as Isaiah would even say of himself, that he would not have a place before this God. So the presence of God would make the people want to scatter. So first, hearing that would be hard for the people. So that's who Isaiah says this Jesus is. This gift that was being given to the world is God with us. But in Matthew, we hear a little addition to that. As Joseph has been living along with his betrothed wife, as he starts to notice that uh, there's a bump and it's not directly after dinner anymore, and there's a uh, belly that's starting to grow, and he knows that it's not his, he starts to ponder what to do. He knows that life is a gift. He knows this young lady is a gift. But what does he do with this gift? What does he do with this person who is supposed to be faithful, this person who is supposed to be his, with this person who is supposed to be loyal, and now all of a sudden for all of the evidence that he can see, something out of proper order has happened. So he sets aside in his mind, I know what I'll do with this gift. I'll quietly push it off into the closet, somewhere else, so that there won't be any shame brought upon her and things can just kind of fade away into the darkness and I can separate myself from that gift. It was about the best he could come up with. That was him being just. That was him being kind. That was him making sure that she didn't get caught in public outside of the social expectation to have rocks thrown at her or anything like that. He was being kind. It's the best way that in his mind he could figure out what to do in that situation. Until an angel showed up. And as this angel comes to him and says, Joseph, don't worry. Fear not. Stop freaking out. First off, I'm here for your good. Second, take Mary. What she told you is true. This child she bears is from the Holy Spirit. She's not lying to you, Joseph. And by the way, you're going to call his name Jesus. Because, as we find out from Matthew and from that angel, because he's going to save his people from their sins. Think about that. Known this prophecy 
for hundreds of years that God is going to send a Savior into the world to come into the world and be God present with His creation, God taking on flesh and walking around and being around with His people. And then now, the other added part of it is that He's not just coming to judge everybody and be the scary God that He had been in the past and the one that brought fright into people, but to walk around with the sole purpose of saving people from their sins. Now, that was always the promise. That was always the mission. But to actually hear it spoken now is beautiful. For them to receive this baby, call his name Jesus, Savior, the one who would save us from our sins. Now, we hear that and we say, that's great. Jesus has come to save us from our sins. What a gift of God. So what do we do with the gift? kind of strange to think about. See, more often than not, if we try to do anything with Jesus, we end up kind of messing things up. Think about how many times throughout history God's word or Christ himself has been brought into a situation to either make us sound truer, bring support to some fallen idea, or to be abused in some way so that it could try to justify some action that we have from a sinful desire within our heart to make it sound okay. See, anything that we try to do with Jesus ends up kind of breaking things when we try and bend God's word or bend Christ to our will so that his name and his word would support our ideas. It starts to mess things up. But God sent him to fulfill the prophecies, the promise that he gave to Adam and Eve, the promise that he gave to Noah, the promise that he gave to Abraham, the promise that he preached through the prophets, that he would send a son, and this is the exact thing, the fulfillment of that prophecy, as Isaiah says, that he would be God with us to save us from our sins. Truly, there's absolutely nothing you can actually do with Jesus. But he does absolutely everything with you. He has forgiven you. He brings you life. He has brought you out of the domain of sin and darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his light, into his family. At baptism, he has put his name on you so that you have God's name covering you. You have Christ's righteousness covering you. You were baptized into his death so that his life would be granted to you. He does absolutely everything to you and for you. What an amazing gift. There isn't a single gift around today that you can buy that would do that exact same thing. Some of them feel really good, a nice warm blanket, a massage thing, new shoes, but you still have to do something with those. You still have to put them to use. There's nothing you need to do to put Christ to use. He takes care of you. He is the gift given to you for you and does everything. There isn't a single thing you need to do for that. That's the gift given in your baptism. Jesus has the names of God with us and Savior among many others. And in baptism, he puts his name on you so that he can actually take you and present you as a gift back to the Father. A broken piece 
of God's creation, redeemed and reconciled by the work of Christ, and then in baptism wrapped in that name so that he could pick you up out of all of that brokenness and put you into a right relationship with the Father once again and hand you back as a gift to the Father. Oh, what a beautiful gift. What a beautiful thing that God himself came into the world to be present with his creation, to make it all right and bring it together to hand back to the Father, redeemed and full and perfect. Not because anything you've done, but because of everything that Christ has done to you. As he's taken you to present you as that gift. It's such a gift given to us in baptism. That moment, you've seen it. Child or adult alike standing here having water poured over their head, named in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have not seen that or are not baptized, talk to me after the service. Let's have a conversation about the gifts that God gives in no other way except through his word. What a beautiful, awesome thing. And as he takes that gift of you and presents it back to the Father, he says, Father, look, here's everyone. Here's everyone that is wrapped up in my name. Here's everyone that's wrapped up in my word, and I bring them back to you. This body of mine, this bride of the church, this bride of Christ, the church, to be presented full, whole, blameless, and absolutely perfect because of all of what Christ has done for you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through Christ, that in him we are redeemed, in him we are forgiven, in him we have life. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide us, to share that word for others, that they would know of the same love that you have shown to us in Jesus the Savior of us, the one who has saved us from our sins. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to...